So who had the final decision? We'll talk about that today on Bible Time. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining me for Bible Time. I have been pondering a question, and I wanted to share it with all of you. And the question is, how was the Bible put together? Now, I know some of you may know this. Some of you may have heard various different things. I've heard various different things. I've studied various different things. But ultimately, it comes down to one thing, really. And that is that God inspired people to write words that he knew would be put into the Bible. Now, why would God do this? Well, he wanted it to be put together so that we could read it someday. Plain and simple. So everybody who came before us could read it someday. So the people who come after us can read it someday. His inspired word to tell us about Jesus who is coming and has come and will come again. And he inspired men and women to put this together so that we'd have something. In Ezra chapter 1, verse, I think it's 5. Yeah, Ezra chapter 1, verse 5. We can read this. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. He stirred their hearts to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. He stirs in the hearts of men and women. Does he force us? Absolutely not. He never forces us. He invites us. He woos us. He says, come along. And then we have to make the choice whether we listen to him or not. But these people who put the Bible together, they listen to him to write it down, to copy it, to preserve it, to keep it so that we can have various different forms. They come in all shapes and sizes these days now that they're printed. We've got smaller ones with different versions. We've got bigger ones and some are easier to read than others. And, you know, some of them have extra stories in them to kind of enhance what the word is saying to help us understand it. Some are study Bibles. Some have concordances. There's all kinds but the one thing remains, the one pure thing remains, is where it came from. You see, if I make popcorn, or if I eat an ear of corn, or if I open a can of corn, one thing remains the same. It came from corn, from a seed that formed corn, or maize, if you want to call it maize. But regardless, it has the one origin. Now, it may look different. Some of it may have white or yellow in it, and you know, it could have genetically modified organisms in it. It's still coming from the one source. And just like the Bible, the one source is God who stirs in the hearts of men and women and inspires them. So why do we not ha add things to the Bible? Well, it has been very commonly believed by the people who put it together that this is what it is. And when it was written, God said, here it is. And they put it together and we do not feel the need to add to it. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine 
if we opened up the canon and let things be added, do you know how disgraced the Bible would be? I mean, we've got denominations that want to just conform to society and not live by the word of God. They would defile and destroy the Bible. Oh, thank goodness we don't add to it, though they try to. We are very lucky people, whether we realize it or not. You see, just the New Testament alone, what they did was they had, there were many, there were more than four Gospels. There's the Gospel of Thomas, there was the Gospel of Mary, there was um, the Gospel of Philip. There were all kinds. There was the Apocrypha of John, the Acts of John. There were so many things that could have been put into the Bible. There were the letters from all the church leaders. But as the men came together to say, okay, what is this Bible? What are we going to call this New Testament? They, by and large, for the most part, they looked at what, who was teaching what. And they came to the conclusion of the four Gospels to say that they speak of what Jesus did, his miracles. They speak of him as being the Messiah. And then they looked at the letters and they said, Paul seemed to be called and inspired by God. They knew that John and Peter were apostles. They Jude made it because of his close relationship with them. So they just they considered all these things and they decided, this is what we're going to call the New Testament. But ultimately, back to Ezra 1.5, it was the Lord who stirred their hearts and told them what to put in it. So, you know, we can negate the Bible and say, well, it was put together by men, and what if they got it wrong? Well, you know what? It was inspired by God, and stirred he stirred the hearts of these men to put it together this way. And there's much more to it than, than I really have time to, to cover. There's the consideration of when it was written, how much it was copied, how much it was used. You know, they prayed over, was it really inspired? There, there were so many things. And I'm not saying like things like the Gospel of Thomas was not inspired by God, but, you know, it, it is, it's just a bunch of sayings of Jesus, which are important, but he never speaks of miracles, for example. And then there's like the book of Enoch, you know, why didn't it make it to the Old Testament? I think it's incredible, an incredible read about spiritual warfare, but, you know, God didn't want it in the Bible, so it's okay. But anyway, there is just so much that went into it, but ultimately what it comes down to is it was inspired by the Lord. And that's really all we need to know, and that's all we really need to concern ourselves with, is that it was inspired by the Lord. And now we have a choice to read it, to know it, to trust it. I said this the other day at a, a conference or workshop I was speaking at. I said, if you treat the Bible like a treadmill, you're going to go wrong. This thing is not going to help you lose weight, okay? But it is going to change your life. Walking on a treadmill will change your life. It'll help you lose weight. It'll keep you physically fit. And when I walk on a treadmill, I don't do it because I enjoy it, because I want to get anything out of it other than I want to be physically fit and I want to save my life and, and keep it healthy. But when I read the Bible, I don't go to it saying, God, I'm reading this, so give me something. That's the wrong way to approach it. I go to the Bible and read it and I say, God, I'm reading this because I want to know you. I want to know what you did in these people. I want to know what these people did so I can learn from their mistakes. I know what, want to know what they did right so I can learn from their successes. I want to know 
what you inspired people to write down. I want to know what you inspired people to put together as the truth. I want to enhance my life and my relationship with you. When you go at the Bible that way, God is going to give it to you. Every single time I read it, I get something new out of it. And you can do that too. But you got to make the choice to want to read it. It's up to you. No one can force you to do it. Just as if, just as no one can force you to walk on a treadmill, no one can force you to read the Bible. But please do not look at the Bible like you do a treadmill. Approach it with, I'm doing this for my relationship with God. I want to know about my friend. I want to know about my father in heaven. I want to know what he is leading me into. It is amazing what this book will do for you when you take time to read it, even if you don't understand it. You think I understood it the first time I read it? No way. Not even close. I didn't understand it the second time I read it either. It takes time. It takes experience. And that is what enhances that relationship with God. The more you read, the more you learn, the more you know, the closer you get to him, the better your life is going to be. It's amazing. Take time to do it. And then give him thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. That's your Bible time for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you again all real soon. God bless. Thank you.